This is Exponent Philanthropy's catalytic podcast, Conversations with Leaders at Small Foundations. Meet some of the most creative, resourceful, and risk-taking foundation people in the country. Catalytic funders work at the system's level, and the need to develop knowledge and insight is even more essential for this work. Funders need to understand how all the pieces fit together so they and partners can figure out where the leverage points are. The power dynamic between funder and nonprofit prevents a free flow of information. But an open, free flow of information is essential in systems change work. Catalytic funders have certain qualities that position them to reduce the barriers to learning. These qualities are humility and inquisitiveness. They see themselves as students, assuming that nonprofits and people in the community know much more than they do. They commit a lot of time to listening and educating themselves. A powerful thing happens when philanthropists demonstrate humility through listening and respect. They earn trust. Trust allows funders to learn at a deeper level how they can support grantees to do bold, ambitious work. Trust also allows funders to build relationships with partners in government, business, academia, education, journalism, and other fields. These partners will be essential in creating a network for advocacy and systems change. At the same time, Trust is more than a means to an end. It is also, fundamentally, a core value. In this catalytic podcast, we talk with Phil Lee, one of the country's foremost champions of a trust-based approach to philanthropy. Phil explores how the requirements and restrictions funders commonly impose on nonprofits shut down relationships and partnerships. He offers first steps on the journey to stronger, richer, mutually beneficial relationships with grantees. The journey to trust-based really reflects kind of the journey of my professional career, if you will. Uh, The first half of my career was in finance, working on Wall Street, and then the second part was working in the nonprofit sector, and they both have been instrumental in informing the way that we do our work at the foundation, but in the way that I think about how we do our work. Um, But in the early days when I worked in financial services, I think one of the things that we were always doing was looking at organizations or looking at companies and really being uh, looking at them in a holistic fashion, really looking at kind of the leadership team, uh, the strategies that they were trying to employ, the resources they had at their disposal, Uh, things like that, and the ability to execute on it. And I think the way that I look at organizations is very much that way in terms of like the enterprise as a whole, as opposed to potentially a specific project in terms of doing that work. And I think it was that experience of really kind of being, let's look at the entity as a whole and understanding what it's trying to do and do we believe that they can do that, right? And do we trust that the management team has the ability to make that happen? 
Um, and then when I came to nonprofit, uh, I led a nonprofit organization. And as a grant seeker, uh, being on that side, going to foundations and going to organizations seeking funds and the different hoops and obstacles and questions and things like that, that we were subjected to, and I use that word intentionally, um, were really eye-opening in terms of just understanding uh, what it was like to be um, someone who was trying to fund the work that we were doing and always having to prove our case, which is okay, but also having people who didn't always necessarily have all the information or even know as much as we did telling us what we should be doing. And that was really eye-opening for me. Um, but <clears throat> I think the realization came that we had um, an understanding when I came to the foundation, really looking at kind of those, both those experiences uh, in terms of informing the way that I was thinking how we might do our work. And, you know, that's pretty much two decades worth of experience prior to coming to the foundation that have shaped kind of my own thinking, really thinking about um, this notion of trust. And I use that in a way like trust is a belief that things can happen or things will happen, um, believing that the team that you're empowering will make that work. Um, and also that the team has a better understanding of what's, what needs to be done and how to deploy resources than we do as the funder. And that is kind of how I came to trust-based. And I didn't even know that that's what it was called at the time, but it was really this notion of really using kind of unrestricted funds or general operating support and kind of long-term funding, letting folks make those decisions, uh, empowering them to go experiment or to do things. And whether it's turning on the lights or whether it was funding another position or doing evaluation or investing in program, um, but leaving that to kind of the team, uh, the nonprofit to make those calls in terms of how to do that work. I think the, where it took us, or I think the learnings that came from these early experiences was really that, um, and it, it was really about acknowledging the power and control that comes with the one who holds the resources in terms of kind of determining and shaping what could happen or releasing some of that. And I think for us, the idea is that um, our great nonprofit partners have a better understanding of much of what's happening and what the needs are in the community and to do the work than we do, I think was really powerful. And I think that was something I learned when I was running the nonprofit where I would basically have funders basically telling me you're spending too much money on um, your programs um, per person that you're touching and it should be less. And I was basically saying, well, how much less? And they would just sort of be befuddled and say, it's just too much. It just needs to be less. And, and so it was just things like that that were eye-opening in terms of like we are sort of beholden to funders because they control the purse strings and the resources. And sometimes that power comes and is ascribed to them because they have the money. And that's the primary reason. I think they're part and parcel, um, an integral part of it. And the reason I say that is I think when you come um, with a sense of humility or saying that we're not the ones who know everything, it puts you in a learning stance. And that's a real opportunity for us to listen and to learn. And 
Um, it also gives our partners an opportunity to kind of share as opposed to having to prove, if you will, um, what's happening. And so we can learn together or we can learn as a foundation what's happening in the field. I would say that the trust-based approach over time, and it's not always immediate, but gives us an opportunity to really be better partners and better listeners. And I think we hear more. And if we're trusted, I think we get a better understanding of what's really happening on the ground or at an organization just because people are more open or candid with us in terms of what's, what's happening and what some of the successes are and what some of the challenges are. One of the benefits of being in kind of this kind of relationship is that we are often privy to information that they don't share with others and they tell us as much. So it's not like our own presumption, but I think the, the idea that um, we can be a shoulder to lean on or counsel or an advisor or just someone independent of a board and staff to kind of perhaps uh, use as an for ideas or to bounce ideas off of can be really helpful. Um, I think over time, people have understood that for us, you know, being a confidant in that way, if you will, isn't a punitive thing. It's really this, this chance uh, for us to be helpful. I think when you're in a trust-based funding relationship, um, it changes the nature and role of kind of program officers or the funder. Right to be more of that um, person who can be um, an advisor of some sort, or can be leaned on in different ways to uh, provide support or advice, or just be a think thought partner on some fronts. And I think for us, that is actually tremendously exciting because it really changes the nature of our work and makes it more interesting as well. That we get to learn with them and really hear what some of the challenges are facing their organizations and perhaps others like them. And in many ways, it gives us better insight into what's happening into the sector as a whole, too, because we really do get to see what um, keeps them up at night or what it is that they're struggling with in terms of doing the work or uh, what it is that they're thinking about as they kind of map the future out. So it's for us, it's actually a really unique vantage point and one that is uh, one that we wouldn't trade just because it provides so much value and is really rich with information, but also in terms of building relationship. I think the most powerful way is for each foundation to go through its own journey, right? I think these are, if anything, they're kind of, it serves as a guide to be helpful in terms of helping shape practices and the ways that you do that. You know, I would say the way that we did it as a foundation and the way that I would propose for others to think about it is start a, start like having a conversation with your board or with your staff or both about like, what do we stand for? What do we want to achieve? How do we, you know, and how do we want to do that work, right? But it's really, what do we, what kind of partner do we want to be with um, our grantees, right? And um, what does success look like for us? And I think what happens is not starting with trust space, but starting about our values and what do we stand for and what do we want to be um, really is a helpful place because what trust-based actually helps you do is operationalize um, much of that, right? And the way that I talk about it is really it's our values in action. And it's sort of like if we want to be humble or if we want to um, honor lived experience, if we want to say that we know our partners know better than we do how to spend those resources or what needs to happen in community, 
right? Those unrestricted funds become that way or the way that we streamline or uh, do that kind of part of the due diligence reflects that too, right? And so I, I would say that kind of having a values conversation is really a, a good way to do that. And honestly, there's a, a trust-based website, which is trustbasedphilanthropy.org that has a something called a self-assessment tool or self-reflection tool, which I think is actually really a powerful way if you're interested in kind of exploring what that might look like um, to, to have that conversation. But but beyond that, you know, I think there are things um, that are perhaps kind of natural ways to think about it. And one that I usually uh, think about um, is I would invite each of us to apply to ourselves, right? Apply to our own foundations and see what that going through the application process looks like and feels like. And if you start seeing questions or things that you're asking for that you never use as part of your review process, you know, perhaps there's a real opportunity to start simplifying or streamlining part of that process immediately, right? That that doesn't change anything for you, right? It just makes it better or more user-friendly for the grant seeker, you know, and then similarly on the backside, um, I, you know, what if you accepted a report that was written for another funder as the final report or annual report? Or you could even experiment with things that we've done, right? What, it, what would it feel like or look like if you did a verbal report, right? And then the onus and responsibilities now shifted onto the foundation to sort of capture and reflect back. And so those are kind of some interesting, straightforward ways that don't really tip over the entire process, but gives you a chance to experiment with different pieces of that and see how that might sit with kind of your foundation or your organization. The way that I would say is that actually, if anything, um, there's probably more rigor and, or as much rigor has that. Um, I would say that because the due diligence and the responsibility falls on us as an institution, that we really want to make sure that we do our homework and uh, really understand the organization and what it's trying to accomplish in its work. And uh, I think this is where the notion of trust um, can come in in a different way, right? It's really, do we do we believe in the team and the organization and what it's trying to accomplish? And do we think that they have the capabilities of delivering that work, right? That's where the trust comes. Um, and I think that's part of the kind of the assessment and the due diligence process that comes from um, the way that we do our work. And so I think some people, uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, or comments over time was, oh, you just hand out money willy-nilly. <laughs> because you're trusting or you just give money to your friends and that's not it at all, right? I think that's where the misconception around what, what it means to be a trust-based funder um, gets conflated with other notions of what trust looks like. And, um, but for us, it's, uh, I would say that our process and our, the rigor in which we try to understand organizations is pretty clear. Thanks to Phil Lee for joining us. To learn more about Phil and the Robert Sterling Clark Foundation, visit the Catalytic Podcast website. Look for new Catalytic Podcasts each month. Meet more creative funders. Benji Roo does the audio engineering and mixing. Our website is by Kwok Lee. Our music is by O Future. 
The Catalytic Podcast is made possible by grants from two Exponent members, the 1772 Foundation and the Blackstone Ranch Institute. I'm your producer and host, Andy Carroll. Thanks for listening. Join us next time.